Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Is that God has a way, and He does this often. And he can do it to your enemies, too. And he doesn't do it to destroy necessarily. But when he's got a plan, he will do anything and can do anything to put the fear of God in people when he needs to. It's not that he wants to, but sometimes he does. Sometimes he allows them to hear something. Maybe somebody has got their mind made up. They're going to do something to your house. They're going to set it on fire. And all of a sudden, the Lord just sends a police officer going down your street just at the right time. You know, these kinds of things happen in real life. Today on Truth in Christ Radio, Pastor Rob concludes his three-part series in Chapter 2 of the Book of Deuteronomy. We learn in this message that through the sovereignty of our God, He sets up situations for the nation of Israel so that they will win certain battles and bypass others. God's plans never go undone, and He will do whatever His will dictates to complete His plan. We see today that all he had to do was plant fear in the enemy's hearts. The same sovereign God will set up situations in our lives also to protect us from worldly dangers. According to his word, he will always be with us and never forsake us. Here's Pastor Rob with our lesson for today. We were to cross over at our, the boundary of Moab. And we looked at that just a moment ago, this, this area right here between Moab and and um, right here, the, the, the Arnon River, and there's that city or that little area of Ar right in the center of that, that river. Verse 19, it says, And when you come near the people of Ammon, notice, this is the brother of Moab, the product of this incestuous relationship, which we don't understand, and it just, it, it's a freaky thing, in our, in our, especially in our culture. Back in, in this culture, it was forbidden at that time, but... We know that God allowed it when, the, when, when things were just getting started. You know, the, the human race was beginning. Those things were naturally going to happen. But as time went on, God says, don't do that. You know? And so here we have uh, the children of Ammon, the, very, the brother of Moab. And he says, and when you come near the people of Ammon, do not harass them or meddle with them. For I have not given you any of the land of the people of Ammon as a possession, because I have given it to the descendants of Lot as a possession. Again, the grace of God. I've given them a land. I care about them. Even if they turn away from me, I'm going to bless them and I'm going to give them an inheritance. And again, I can't escape that. I can't escape the love of God in that. Because I can be so self-centered and so self-focused as a Christian that I forget that anybody else exists. And yet God loves every single person that we come in contact with. Verse 20, that was also regarded as a land of giants, this land of, of, of Ammon. 
giants formerly dwelt there, but the Ammonites called them Zamzumim. And Zamzumim literally means plotters, but others called them Rephaim. And so regardless of what they called them, you notice there's a, there's a similarity in the names. You know, these are just strange people. I, I'm curious of what the name plotters really means. Maybe they're plotting everybody else's death. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But they, they were called plotters. But they were giants and they were fearful. A people in great as numerous and tall as the Anakim. But the Lord destroyed them from before them, and they dispossessed them and dwelt in their place, just as he had done for the descendants of Esau who dwelt in Seir when he destroyed the Horites from before them. And they dispossessed them and dwelt in their place even to this day. And the Avim who dwelt in villages as far as Gaza, the Kaftorim who came from Kaftor, destroyed them and dwelt in their place. You know, it's interesting in, in Genesis chapter 10, it says the Kaftorim. And um, if, you, if you go to Genesis chapter 10 in the table of nations, it has something really interesting there for us. I'm going to resist the urge to go too much into this because for some reason this is one of my hobby horses, this particular topic. So I'm going to stay away from it. Um, but notice in, in verse 13 of Genesis chapter 10, you know, it's giving the descendants of, of Noah, Shem, Ham, and uh, Japheth, and it also goes into detail of some of the their their offspring and and their uh, the men who came from these different these three different men, and from the line of Ham it says in verse thirteen that Mizraim begot Ludim, Anamim, Lehabim, and Naphtuhim, and Pathrusim, and Kasluhim, from which came the Philistines and Kaphtorim. So the Philistines came from they were from the line of Ham. That means they were a non-Semitic people. Non-Semitic. They weren't from the line of Shem. They were from the line of Ham. And one of the things, if I can go back to this map here. Actually, I don't have the map. If you look up on the screen right up here, you'll know that there's an island of Crete way up here in the distance. That I, I, I didn't get a picture of it. But there's, a, there's the island of Crete. Well, that, that area was called Kaftorim. And this is where the Philistines, the sea-wearing people, that's where they came from. And they originally came down to Egypt and you can see, uh, let me see here if I can bring up, uh, actually, this is the one I want to see here. There we go. Um, right up here, you can see right here on this island of Crete, it says Kaftorim. And this is where the, the, the Philistines and this people group came from. And they tried to come down to here. And notice it says Kazluhim, which was one of the other brothers of, uh, of the Philistines. They tried to come down here, and the, the Egyptians kicked them out and drove them out, and so the Philistines ultimately settled over here on the bank of the Mediterranean Sea. And that's where David encountered them, and that's where they had lived for a long time, and that's the people that they were going to possess. That's why Saul and David had so many campaigns against the Philistines. These people came from Kaftor. And so the reason I bring that up is because it says right here, they dwelt in villages as far as Gaza, the Kaftorim, who came from Kaftor, which is Crete, destroyed them and dwelt in their place. And you remember, um, we're not going to go there for the sake of time, but in Second Samuel chapter 21, do you remember when David, actually, that's the wrong chapter, but when David went out against Goliath, Goliath was of the race of those giants. And Goliath, if you remember, after David had slew him, or before he was going after him, he picked up five stones from the, from the brook, right? 
<laughs> and who knows really why he picked up five, but Goliath had four brothers who were just as big and ugly as he was. <laughs> right? So he picked up four stones, and the rock he had in his hand was going to be for Goliath. And he's thinking, if I get through him, his brothers might come out after him. I'm going to do the same thing to them. Right? Well, in this Second Samuel chapter 21, it really all it really does is talk about these sons of the giant, these Rephaim, these, uh, the, 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 from the line of Gath, actually. And they were these really tall, statured people, just very fearful people. So in verse 24, it says, Rise, he says, take your journey and cross over the river Arnon. And look, I have given into your hand Sihon, the Amorite, king of Heshbon. And uh, Heshbon, there was a, um, a city just below the Dead Sea. Actually, I'm sorry, in, in the land of Moab, somewhere over in this area here, Heshbon. And this is where this king came from. And it says, take your journey. I've given Sihon the Amorite, king of Heshbon, and his land. Notice, and his land. Everybody else, stay away from. Stay away from Moab. Stay away from Edom, your brother. Stay away from Moab. Stay away from Ammon. But the king of Sihon, that's a different story. The king of the Amorites, you can, you can, you can battle him. He goes, this day... He says, begin to possess it and engage him in battle. And he says, this day I will begin to put the dread and fear of you upon the nations under the whole heaven who shall hear report of you and shall tremble and be in anguish because of you. And I love this because God, unlike anyone, any being or anyone in the universe, he's able to conduct psychological warfare. (laughs) You know what that is? That's when you should, you know, our minds are so fragile, do you realize how quickly we can, get into, we, can, we can get into a state of fear so quickly by just somebody telling us something or us hearing something or whatever, and all of a sudden it can change the picture of everything. And God does this, and I, and I love this. It's not even fair. But remember, God's not fair. He's just. And, uh, but he, he, he says, that I'm going to put fear in these people, and they're going to tremble and be in anguish because of you. In 2 Kings chapter 7, there's this wonderful event where uh, the Syrians are coming against Israel, and they're in a siege. They got The Syrians have put a siege around Jerusalem, and things are getting really tough. And so finally, there were some um, four lepers that decided, you know, at midnight, we're going to go out, and we're just, you know, we're going to go out, and we're going to see what's happening out there. And they went out there. Because if they died, who cares? Because we're going to die anyway. We might as well go out and see, you know, what, what the deal is. So they go out there, and they found that God had done something. In fact, I'm going to read it to you. They were going to go out to see this army. It says, verse 6, this is um, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 6. It says, For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, Look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore we will arise and flee. Or they, they arose and they fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And, and these guys show up and they see just an army full of tents. They're all empty. And they go inside one of the tents and they're eating and they're looking at the silver and the gold and they're starting to hide it away. And they're like, uh, oh, we should probably tell the other people who are starving back in Jerusalem. We should probably tell the king that this is, you know, it's a spoil out here. But my point is, is that God has a way and he does this often. 
And he can do it to your enemies too. And he doesn't do it to destroy necessarily, but when he's got a plan, he will do anything and can do anything to put the fear of God in people when he needs to. It's not that he wants to, but sometimes he does. Sometimes he allows them to hear something. Maybe somebody has got their mind made up. They're going to do something to your house. They're going to set it on fire. And all of a sudden, the Lord just sends a police officer going down your street just at the right time. You know, these kinds of things happen in real life. So, and I sent messengers from the wilderness of Kedemoth to Sihon, king of Heshbon, with words of peace, saying, Let me pass through your land. I will keep strictly to the road. I will not turn to the right hand or to the left, and you shall sell me food for money. In other words, we've we got to come through here. Does it sound familiar? They've been doing this all along. And Ammon and you know, Moab and Edom, they're like, we don't want you to come, and they went around another way. And so this is kind of like status quo for them. We, you shall sell me food for money that I may eat and give me water for money that I may drink. Only let me pass through on foot, just as, a, just as the descendants of Esau who dwell in Seir and the Moabites who dwell in Ar did for me until I crossed the Jordan to the land which the Lord our God has given us. But Sion, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass through, for the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate that he might deliver him into your hand as it is this day. And I think that's interesting, too. God made this man, the Sihon king of the Amorites, he made his heart like stone, like obstinate. Does that sound familiar to what we read about in Exodus? And again, that's, that's a scary thing. When God can make, he allows a heart to get so hard. And I, if you go back in, in, in Exodus chapter 7 through 14, and you read after each of the plagues, in the initial ones, in the very beginnings, it says, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. The next one, and Pharaoh hardened his heart. We don't have enough time. I wanted to go through that with you because it's really fascinating. And it gets to a point like the, after the sixth plague, it says, and God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Because Pharaoh's heart got to the point where he was like, he was so bent on his own will being done. God is saying, I'm going to let you have it. You're going to have it. What a dangerous spot for someone to be in. And then the next plague, and God hardened his heart. And God hardened his heart. And it just, there was a point of no return God knew where that was. Not even sure Pharaoh knew, but his heart was bent. And that's why it's always important for us to keep our heart right before God because we don't know how far we're going to go. Do you know how far you're going to go in your sin before God allows you to, to encounter something that's really not good? I've known people where I've done the same thing, and they do it, and they get busted the very first time. Something happens. And you wonder, why, why, why them and why not me? And then God is saying, you know, it's almost like saying to me, don't worry about them. You follow me because my grace for you is going to be different for them. They got a different heart than you, Rob, and I know, I know where, you're, where you're at and I know where they're at. And I'm allowing this for a reason, for a, a reason to, to show them something. And if they're willing, they can understand and they'll turn from their sin. Because that's the way God is. He's always doing it to teach us something. If we're willing to hear. Verse 31, And the Lord said to me, See, I have given Sihon and his land over to you. Begin to possess it, that you may inherit this land. And then Sihon and all his people came out against us to fight at Jahaz. And the Lord our God delivered him over to us. So we defeated him, his sons and all his people. And we took all his cities at that time, and we utterly destroyed the men, women, and the little ones of every city. We left nothing remaining. Nothing. We took only the livestock as plunder for ourselves with the spoil of the cities which we took. 
You know what? I, 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 I got to share with you something about this verse that, again, I, I intimated it earlier, but now I got to get to it here. And then we'll take communion. We'll finish the chapter here. You know, when you look at this, I remember sharing with somebody the Bible, and they said to me, I can't believe because of all the horrible things that God had done, right, in the Bible. That's what they told me. But they, didn't, they never read the Bible themselves. They only heard about how God would allow the Israelites to go in and wipe out a, a group of people. Not, you know, they didn't understand that God's patience had been at its max, and they tipped him over the edge. And they deserved that judgment. But would God allow uh, to go into a, a group, a town, and for have every man, woman, and little one, every city utterly destroyed? That's hard, isn't it? That's one of those verses that really challenges your soul and your very being. But let me share something with you that hopefully will encourage you. In fact, it was brought to sharp relief to me last night around 11.30. I was looking for something for my wife, and I went out to our back back patio. I had my flashlight, and I was out there looking for something. And my neighbor, who I didn't know was there, he was sitting out in his uh, driveway. He probably couldn't sleep. 11.30 at night. I shouldn't have been up that late. But I'm out there, and I'm looking for something. And he goes, hey, Rob, what are you doing? And I, and I, and I, and I, and I was startled, and I said, hey, how are you doing? And I, I walked over to him, and he, and he says, he, um, you know the stillness of the night at 1130 when there's nothing happening? It's very still. It was, it was like that. And he says, i gotta, I got to ask you something about the Lord. And he says, I've got a friend who just lost a granddaughter, the granddaughter died as an infant. And he goes, what do I say to them? What do I say to them? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what you can say. What do you say to somebody who has had such an awful thing happen, right? And he goes, I just don't get it. He goes, how could God let that happen? And I said, I said um, let me share this with you. I said, God is a merciful God, right? And he says, I, I believe that, struggling to understand that. And I said, what would happen... This child passed away, and we believe that when a child that young passes away, that they go right back to the Lord. And there's some verses. You know, the Bible says that, you know, for such heaven, for such is the kingdom of heaven, small children. You know, and their angels behold, you know, the, the face of their angels in, in heaven. And, you know, there's the, the thing with uh, David and Bathsheba. And David said when his son was dead, he said, I can't bring him back to me, but I'll go back. I'm gonna, I know I'm going to see him. David, obviously knowing that not only was he forgiven for his sin, but that he was going to go to heaven, even after he did this horrible thing. And yet he's going to go see this, the, this child that had died. So how can God do that? And I said to him, I says, what would be the possibility? Think about this. I said, if God was to take this child now, he's in glory, right? Based on what I share with you, I believe that. And he's like, you know, I believe that too. I think that's God is just. He's right. I said, yeah, I believe that too. I said, now think about this. God knowing the end from the beginning. What would happen if that child grew up and was going to be a a murderer? What would happen if that child grew up and only God knows this information that we can't know, we could never know? What would happen if that child would grow up and and be a heroin addict and be completely anti-Christ and die in his sins and go to hell? Isn't it better that God took him now? Something to think about. And he's like, I never thought of that. But it's the truth, isn't it? 
And the same thing with these children as God take you know, this idolatrous nation, these nations that are, are, that are just horrible in, in the things that they've done, and God causes them to go in and wipe out everybody. Mercy. Mercy for those kids. Think of it. They're not even aware of anything. It's quick and it's over. They don't even realize what it, what's happened. See, you and I, when we know death is coming, we fear it. We know it's coming, and the fear of it drives us mad. But a child doesn't have a fear like that. They don't even know what that is yet. And it's over. They're in glory. Mercy. Does that make sense? It's not easy. But I like to think of that when I think of stuff like this. God's mercy allowing that whole group, women, men, children. The men and the women are going to be accountable, but those little ones instantly in glory, I believe. He said, verse 36, from Aurorar, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, and from the city that is on the ravine, or is in the ravine, as far as Gilead, there was not one city too strong for us. The Lord our God delivered all to us. Only you did not go near the land of the people of Ammon, anywhere along the river Jabbok, or to the cities of the mountains, or wherever the Lord our God had forbidden us. And again, you know, just the Lord saying, stay away, stay away. I've got a plan for them. I've given them this land. I've, given a, I've got a plan for you, and I've given you that land. And there's going to be some where you're going to go and you're going to wipe out, and the others I want you to leave alone. I've given them land. And I love, I love how equitable God is. He knows what he's doing, and he is loving and gracious in all that he does. And, you know, tonight as we, uh, we're going to take communion, if we could have uh, Kathy and Sarah come up, and they're going to lead us in a song of worship. And, and be encouraged, you know, because this journey through the desert is not easy for the children of Israel. Think of, think of the men, you know. We, we often get far removed from the battle. We read about it, but do you know the battle, the things that they had to do, the men, the things that they had to do, the things they had to see? Let me tell you something. That would bring any man straight to his knees, except for their trust in God and, and, to, and to do what he said. And Lord, it's like, I mean, think of that. Lord, you want me to go in and do that? I can understand the men, but Lord, I'm really struggling with the women and the children thing. And God says, this is what I, I need you to do, and I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. Do you trust me? And, you know, so be, be encouraged in that. Be encouraged that God loves you regardless of your background. And, and be encouraged and, and love on others the way God has loved you. Isn't that the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. He's loved us so much. Let's love others. Let's not be a respecter of people. Let's not allow ourselves to be too focused on ourselves and our, and our own Christian experience that we forget about the Muslims. God loves them. He hates their religion. He hates some of the religion in some Christian churches too. And you know what I mean by that. If it's not biblical, he hates it, right? He hates those things. So let's give thanks to the Lord and say, Lord, give me that heart. Give me that heart of a person where I can have that mind. All the people around me, the people that are difficult, the people that are of a different religion, different skin color, whatever they may be, let me love them. Give me the grace to love them. And then as we do that, we remember what he has done for us, for all of us. He died for all. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his son, that whosoever should believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life.
So, Father, encourage our hearts, Lord, and, and, and bless us now. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio or sanctuary messages in MP3 format, free of charge, from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcasts. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until this same time tomorrow, This has been Truth in Christ.